0: Welcome to the Going Somewhere Podcast, a podcast for anyone who finds themselves in the ambiguous adventure of young adulthood, a season marked by uncertainty, change, love, heartbreak, and a whole lot of big decisions. Sit down with me for some real and raw conversations with some incredible people as we dig into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in this beautiful yet complicated season of life. If this podcast helps you in any way, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with friends. Be sure to join the conversation on Instagram by following goingsomewhere.podcast. We're all going somewhere. We might as well go there together. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everybody. Uh, Welcome to the Going Somewhere podcast. I'm Stephen Glosser, and today I'm joined by my friend, Michael Bloom. What's up, Mike? How you doing, Pastor Stephen? Good to see
1: you. I'm good, and you can just call me Steven. How you doing, Steve? (laughs) Good to see you. Man, I'm pumped to have you on. Bro, it's an honor to be on, man. I love what you're doing. I love how you're inspiring young adults to just move forward in life on this journey, and I think you're doing a killer job, man, so thanks for having me on. Oh, I appreciate that, but... No, I've been looking forward to... I mean,
0: I love every conversation I've ever had with you. Thanks, man. But to have this conversation. Let's go, baby. We we don't know where it's going. That's kind of the fun thing about this whole podcast. It's going somewhere. Road trip,
1: baby. It's a road trip. Road trip without Google, though. We're just going. It's good. (laughs) It's hot. No GPS needed. No GPS.
0: But we've known each other for a while. Yeah. I feel like you know. I I met you probably through Dave, Leadall, through my early journey days. You were always like the cool guy. You were like the cool older guy that I felt like... (laughs) everybody wanted to be like, everybody wore basketball
1: jerseys because you did. Like, you're were, you were just like oh. the hero, the role model. Thanks, man. That's nice of you to say, Steve, because you always carry swag well. So I appreciate, you know, swag recognize swag, baby. So I appreciate that. That's good, man. Dude, that's good. I love it. You know,
0: when, pe- when you talk like the way that you do, I've heard somebody say like, dude, who does he think he is? That's Mike. That's just, <laughs> that's Mike Bloom. Like, that's yeah. how he's always
1: been. Because you're yeah. not from around here. No, originally you- <laughs> from California. Originally from California. It's so funny. I'm a, I'm a police officer, and we can get into that too. But uh, I'll meet a lot of kids, and they'll say, why do you talk like that? I say, talk like what? Like, like why do you talk like that? This is just who I am. You know, it's just funny. People have perceptions um, right. and biases, whatever. But it's funny when you, you break down so much of who you are is just where you came from. And I came from that talk kind of. I just grew up in a melting pot of people that I loved, you know? And so... We were surrounded by hip-hop, rap, culture, and that's just what I connected to most. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: I mean, and it's like full circle of yeah. you know, the things that you're doing, the person that you are. But maybe before we jump into that, you just mentioned it. You're a police officer right now in yeah. Fargo. What else is the life of Mike Bloom, family, everything else?
1: Sure, man. Police officer. Um, shout out to the Fargo PD. Represent. Um, love my job. Love working there. I have an amazing wife named Casey. Um, I met her at Northview Church back then, First Assembly. Shout out to the old days, and uh, that's where we met. We met in youth group. She was a youth leader. I was a youth leader at the time, and uh, she wooed me, man. She wooed me. She just, those eyes, those blue eyes, man. Casey Casey Bloom, shout out to the wifey, man. Love you. But uh, we have three amazing kids. Um, Joelle is our oldest. She's six years old. Rondo is five, and Brooks is two, and... If anyone's trying to ask themselves if they should be a parent, I highly recommend it because it's amazing. So we have a beautiful family. We have a French bulldog. Um, Name? Dodger. Dodger, okay. Yeah, yeah, name Dodger. He's very cute. Shout out to the Cali. That's right. The Cali upbringing. Yep, yep. South side, you know, West Coast, South. And uh, love it, man. Love it. Love my family. Super blessed. And I've lived here about 13 and a half years now. Okay. Yeah.
0: And... Now you serve as a police officer, but you weren't always on, <laughs> on that side of the law. Do you want to just talk like yeah. a little bit, you know, about that journey? You know, I think leading up to where you're at is really special. And I think all of our journeys kind of contribute to the people we are today. Like we mm-hmm. got here because of a path. And do you just want to kind of touch on kind of your journey?
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. So I grew up in Modesto, California. It's in the Central Valley of California. so about an hour south of Sacramento. And I had two wonderful parents that raised me and my two sisters. Modesto is a really cool town. It's, it's quite large, but we're kind of separated from the big, big cities like Oakland and San Francisco. So we grew up not sheltered, but we at least weren't exposed to some of the violence or some of the issues facing large large metropolitan areas like those cities. So we had a great upbringing. Um, my dad raised me on the Bible, thankfully, and that was kind of a foundation, so even as I got older, I I kind of drifted way away from God for a while, but also always had this consciousness that God was real, and even somewhat feared Him, even when I used to live in sin, I'll get into that, but like, I always kind of knew He was there, even though I didn't want to follow Him, or didn't know how to follow Him, um, and that was, I really credit that to my dad, and his just consistency growing up of the Word, and prayer, and, but when I was 12, uh, unfortunately, my mom and dad divorced, and it was like a sudden divorce. That's what made it so hard. Yeah. Like, we weren't expecting the divorce at all. My mom just one day had to leave, and and I'll never hold that against her. My mom and I are really tied, just best friends, but um, it was like a death in the family. So, once the death happened, like, nothing ever went back to normal. It's kind of like COVID, you know? The, the good old days never came back, and to this day, I'm 33 now. They never have come back. So, um, that was just a change forever, and... You know, we were separated, but we never did anything as a family ever again together. So I, I really clung to my dad's side, um, but then also would see my mom and go to school and go back and forth. And, um, you know, the older I got, I just started following my friends more than my family. And so everything they experienced and experimented with, it was like I would just take steps with them into those things. And, you know, I didn't. I wasn't an addict by any means, but I, I started to drink quite heavily at times. I started to smoke weed quite a bit at times, even like recreationally before sporting events at a time in my life, just remember smoking before a high school basketball game and how dumb that was and how it affected me. But I just was lost, you know, like people who are lost are actually always looking for something. That's why they're so lost because they keep just like going into black holes, like thinking something's going to be there and nothing's there. It's just darkness. It's it's like, gosh, I thought something was going to be on the other side of this or in this. Um, and when I was 18, dude, I had a radical experience with Jesus. I, I just remember I was so sick of sin. I was so sick of the law, like feeling lost. I was so sick of hopelessness. And I just remember the foundation I came from, but I called on Jesus, like for the first time, kind of, I just called on him and I repented of sin and for me, I was just like, I told God, I'm done with sin. I'm done with living this lifestyle. And I remember when that happened, I felt like the presence of God. I was in Fresno, California at my aunt's house. I'll never forget the moment. I just felt like Mm. the complete presence of God. And you're talking about a guy who had never felt the presence of God. So it was like, I mean, it was so real that I called, I called family members out of the blue that day, cold call. And I was like, I got saved today. I I just told him that. I don't even know what it meant. I was like, Gave my life to Jesus today. I called my sister Megan, who lived here, and I was like, I I accepted Jesus into my life today. I was just telling people. I was like, something happened to me where I experienced the presence of God, Um, and then fast forward just a little bit. I went to a New Year's Eve party that night, or that year, and I remember going to the New Year's Eve party, and um, I mean, bottles were everywhere, alcohol was everywhere, all my friends were everywhere, and for the first time ever in my gut, I had this feeling of you shouldn't be here. I never had had that feeling before, but it was like the Holy Spirit just nudging me, like you're saved now. Like this is not your scene anymore. Your scene is with me in the presence of God, and not in this lifestyle. So I remember getting a, a, a ride home that night, and my sister lived in Fargo, and that's when I was just like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I like Fargo," and I feel like God just was like, "You need to move to Fargo," and I'm telling you, bro, it was like Fargo. Like, where is Fargo? First of all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where weird. is it? Yeah. No one knew still, back then. Still working then. on that. Yeah, we didn't really have Google Earth then. We kind of did, but it wasn't like it is now. So it's like, you know, is d- is there a civilization there? Is this the mountains or the woods? I didn't know what the landscape was Neither. like. Not, yeah, <laughs> I didn't know anything. I was like, where, where am I going? Um, but I got here, and God just set me up. He set me up to meet wonderful leaders. Um, Dave Liedahl became one of my my closest friends. And Dave Liedahl, dude... I met Dave Lito like one of the first times I was at church. And that dude just like took me under his his wing, man. He started, Dave lived in North Fargo. I lived in Moorhead. And Dave started picking me up every Thursday and driving me to Kai Alpha. Before he had to set up. So like Dave was a pharmacy student. He had to set up for drums and he still came and picked me up early multiple times. Drove me to Kai Alpha, set up his drums. I would experience the presence of God Watch the Eric and Adam Neese intro videos. If anyone ever saw those, you were blessed. <laughs> if you never saw them, you lost in life. Those were the greatest. You remember those videos, Inspirational. right? Inspirational. Like, they were phenomenal. Yeah. They were phenomenal videos. Um, That's
0: what, like, one of the things that got me into making videos. And yeah. Stuff, which yeah. is like seeing them do it with their talent, like their gift, but also oh, my humor. Gosh. Oh, I classic. didn't know
1: two people in college could ever make some, so much like gold. It, it was is, incredible, yeah. their intro videos. Legendary. Oh my gosh. I'll, and,
0: I'll try to find a couple and actually link it in the show notes for this podcast just you so do, people bro. can experience the glory
1: <laughs> watch it before you go to sleep one night he'll <laughs> make you laugh it is it's amazing um but yeah hearing brad preach tony preaching and, and then dave would bring me home and we'd have like these long talks we just have talks about life talks about rebirth and just what, what i mean by rebirth is like dude i was like still struggling with a lot of stuff so you know i was I was like in recovery from the world, should I say. And I didn't want to go back to pornography. I didn't want to go back to old relationships. I didn't want to go back to using drugs or alcohol. So Dave was just patient. And then Nate Dogg, Nate Lidol came into my life and he loved on me. Tony Meyer loved on me. And I just started, I was like, I I can't go back to California because I found such a solid and secure group of leaders um, in this community. So,
0: That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, man. And what then, you know, from that point, you know, that's kind of where I came into to the picture. Yeah. That's like, where
1: we started meeting all the homies, bro. Yeah.
0: You were, you were in this place that, yeah, again, like I, some of the embarrassing pictures of me from college when I have my like long, nasty hair <laughs> and stuff like you're looking cool right there next oh, to me. Man. But, um, you know, then you eventually pursued becoming a police officer. Like what inspired that? What led you to pursue that path?
1: Yeah. So I, I started roofing houses. I started working at Hornbacher's, um, I started doing anything I could to make income. And then over time, I started going to night classes, and I, I got a criminal justice degree um, from Rasmussen College. And then I was also at the time going, um, doing a lot of ministry work with Cal Thompson, who was the youth pastor here, and then Mike Sanyu, who was the jail chaplain. And the moment I started going into the jails with Mike Sanyu, I was like, I have a passion for people who are in- incarcerated. I just love networking, love sharing with them, love praying with them. Um, So actually, I was like, really on the fence of, should I be a chaplain or a police officer? And then I really felt like God gave me just this clarity, just pursue law enforcement. And it was the best decision I ever made, because your age doesn't really represent your maturity, spiritually or just emotionally. And I was not super mature as a man yet. I was not super mature yet spiritually. And law enforcement, it did so much for my life that being in ministry at that time would not have done for me. Not saying they would have done it for someone else. Right. It was just how I grew up. I grew up, um, I never had to grow up. That was the problem. So I started growing up late in life. And so it took me more years in law enforcement. No one cared who you were. No one cared how spirit-filled you were. No one cared how cool you were. Um, if you don't do the job right, they have no problem firing you. And that's healthy. It was healthy for me. I was like, man, there's a standard I always have to maintain here there's no buddy system really. So that helped me grow up fast and learn a lot and it just taught me how to be a better man and a better leader. So I love that I got to do law enforcement and, and I've been doing it the last 10 and a half years. It's been phenomenal. And the most recent
0: or not right now but for a few years you were the community you were in a grand position as a community officer. Yeah, Can man. Can you tell me about like how did that come to be and mm. what did that look like and I know those of you who are listening from Fargo, you probably know Mike in that context. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that is where a lot of people like have seen you. Um, but what did that all entail, and how did that come to be, and what was that experience like for you?
1: Dude, God answers prayer, bro. I'm telling you, it was crazy. So, I was working patrol. I was working the PM shift, 4:30 PM to 2:30 AM. I was loving it. It was it was a lot of fun, just working with my partners and having a good time at night. And um, I remember though, I wanted more. I wanted more for the community. I wanted to evangelize. I wanted to share the gospel, but it's like, how do I do that with a badge on? What does that look like? Um, and I'll never forget, I was, I was living in West Fargo. I was listening to a sermon from Bethel Church by an evangelist. This is just how God worked that day. It was wild. And um, I was praying after I heard this message from this evangelist. He was just preaching about um, outreach and community, uh, reaching the community for, for Christ. And I was like, God, I'm so hungry for that. I'm so hungry for that. God, what do you want me to do next? How do you want me to do it? I remember praying this, right? And then I checked my email that day, um, that same day, and there's this email that says, new opening for community outreach position, community policing, um, CTO, community trust officer. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what does this look like? And so really the greatest thing God did with this was no one at the police department had a vision for it which was the greatest thing that I didn't realize at the time because then we could create the vision. Yeah. And honestly, the Holy Spirit <laughs> led the vision for five and a half, six years. It was phenomenal, man. Just through that, God opened doors for our ba- with, with our badge to go into treatment centers with kids like Prairie St. John's, Luther Hall, Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch. And as police officers, we were bringing in Christian hip-hop artists doing live performances, sharing the they were sharing the gospel or at least sharing their testimonies. Um, we were going into public schools, doing live community events, uh, school assemblies, and bringing in community speakers. Um, we, we made music videos with kids and networked with them and inspired them to be great and really wanted to star them and bring them on. Um, we hosted park events that we would just sow into the community. We'd feed the community, work with the community, and just love on a man. And it was, dude, it was like the favor of God in overflow. It was just like, God was like, I'm going to give you this position and then just let me work through you in it. Like, don't step out of the way, but step into the path I want for this position, and it was phenomenal, man, and it still is to this day. Um, Still networking with kids, going to Buffalo Wild Wings the other night, and slapping hands with a kid who's a cook now, who's like 16, and we met when he was a fifth grader at Jefferson Elementary School, and I have a homie right now who's locked up uh, because he got into some major trouble, but he still calls me, and we talk, and um, just talk about life, and I know his I know where he's at with his dad and his dad is just very absent. And I'm just like, Holy Spirit, I'm glad I can fill that role right now. Cause I met him at Jefferson when he was in fifth grade, and now he's sixteen years old. And um, dude, God just opened doors. It was incredible. So that's I, I could just go on and on. You know, I mean, yeah. I don't want to like talk too long on that, but it was just like the there's no substitute for the favor of God. And that's what that was. Yeah. It's just fire, dude. It's fire. Well and what
0: was maybe some of the impact that you that you saw cuz obviously mm-hmm. you know the, the position title is community trust officer i know one of the components of that is to build trust to kind of bridge you know with yeah. the community yeah. um, and so a lot of your time was spent in maybe places that distrust was at a higher level towards law enforcement and yeah. like a lot of people misunderstand fargo and even just like the dynamics that fargo has as well like it is a pretty you know clean cut town when you come from another place but at the end of the day like there's places that are really impacted by poverty and a lot of other things that you've seen on a regular basis like what is the impact that you saw through your time with that position and obviously just your time in law enforcement
1: yeah man um God just began to like rewrite stories through our position, and honestly, like Matt Niemeyer, who is an amazing leader, um, he's currently the SRO at Carl Ben right now. Dave Carlson, Vince Kemp, uh, Christy Jacobson, Bill Offelt—they all worked with me on on this team over the years, and Kevin Palace even, and um, even our chief at the time, Dave Todd. Like it was the it was the team effort that made the dream work, and it was just God rewriting narratives that culture and society had written as that I saw as lies, that I think God saw as lies, that, you know, police are, are against minorities, police are against black people, police are against Native American people, all these stories that had been written for so long, God just began to rewrite in us. Um, our first outreach event um, was at the Arbors, which used to be called Community Homes, and it's like these big, large, They, I mean, they almost look like project buildings, but they're like public housing. And so we brought a stage in there, uh, we drove it in, we set it up. We had um, food, free food. We, we did a large cookout. We, we got all these free donations from the community, and we just did in a, just a powerful outreach event. And I would say 80% of the people there weren't white. And at the end of the event, we were just hugging and embracing and slapping hands and, and loving on people in the community. And then the following year, we went to an area of our community where almost our entire audience of about 200 people were Somali from Somalia that had mm. been sent here. There were new Americans, refugee status. And we were out there doing the Cupid Shuffle with them. I mean, <laughs> literally doing the Cupid Shuffle with the Somali population. Yeah. And I remember Chris DeLawentes, who runs an inner city church in Minneapolis, he had brought his stage for us to use. He drove it down. And he said, you will never see something like this in Minneapolis. He said the Somali population or populations like this don't really trust police. I mean, we were, we were just like, it was like we were a family with them. So God was like rewriting narratives in this city. And bro, to this day, just like the favor of God and the power of God's love. So God's love to me is, is revealed every single day when I see kids who even one once when, at times when I met them walked in a stereotype, like I don't trust cops, I don't trust you. Um, people who walk in those stereotypes who later on I would end up hugging, embracing, showing up at their sporting events. They're coming up to me after thanking me for being there, just networking with them, loving them, um, going to visit kids who I networked with who got incarcerated, and then I would go visit them when they were incarcerated. And you would see that the love of God shifts narratives. You know what I'm saying? Like it just shifts yeah. it. It's like we, we can all believe there's a cultural lie, or we can all believe that there is a, a societal society narrative about specific, like police. You know, like they hate black people, or they hate minorities, or this and that. But you can also just read first John and be like, I'm gonna be in the light as he's in the light, and I'm gonna rewrite this narrative with the help of the Holy Spirit. And that's what God did. I mean it was just God doing God for five years. It was like I still can't even wrap my mind on how he how he's done it. It's been phenomenal.
0: That's incredible. And yeah. you know, I think part of it for me has been it just being so inspiring. you know, I think mm-hmm. you know, from close up or afar when I was away, you know, I would, you know get texts or calls be like hey do you know this guy mike bloom you know like (laughs) he he mentioned you and i'm like yes i know mike bloom stevie g (laughs) (laughs) yeah but but i just think like it was so influential to see not just obviously the uniform the badge played a role in that yeah but also just the people side of it and that's what has always been incredible for you because before you had the badge that was you Mm. long after you put your badge away for the last time That's gonna be you, and and I think that's what's so inspiring. I remember, uh, gosh, it was like two summers ago. We were downtown drinking some coffee, out on the out on the street, just sweating up a storm. And (laughs) I feel like a dozen people came by to to say hi to you, to like tell you that you've impacted their life. And I was like, you know, I work for Carson, and so Mm -hmm. when I've been around Carson, that spotlight kind of it happens like hmm. kids come up to him or parents come up to him whatever yeah but to see that in, in a guy in a uniform to see that in a guy that has just faithfully sown and loved on a community was really like moving for me it was you yeah, know it, it was deep you know it was it was like what if we all could go to a random coffee shop in downtown of our town and the lines of people coming to share how you influence them, and mm. and I think that's what's so inspiring, and so I, you know, not to just brag on you, but just to encourage you, like, that's, in rewriting narratives, that's what you're rewriting your own, in your own life, what God's rewriting in your own life, but in our entire community, it's pretty special.
1: Thanks, man. Thanks, bro, and it's an honor to hear that, dude, and I'm just blown away by, like, the favor of God, and the, the, the just God's blessing, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's an honor to, like, know you've helped people, and it's an honor that God allows you to do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It just is. It is. So.
0: And whatever it is, you know. I think yeah. whether it's a bad uniform, apron, you know, yeah, 100%, whatever it is, yeah. like we have that and I and I think you, you part of it's the exposure. You're like you were exposed to an area of our community that was in need, to yeah. people that were in need. And I think there's need around all of us that we're exposed to on a daily
1: basis. And yeah. It it just looks different, you know. Oh, a hundred, dude. I think I think God's call for every human is to make the most of the marketplace, whatever the marketplace looks like. Sometimes the marketplace is literally a college campus. Sometimes the marketplace literally is a Hornbockers or a, um, a coffee shop, but I, I've seen people like Cal Thompson, who I brought up earlier. Um, I can't go to Starbucks with Cal without multiple people interrupting us when we meet because they sit by him and talk to him because they love him so much, even when I'm having a one-on-one with him. It's crazy, like, his employees will literally interrupt us and sit with us and be like, do you, do you know Cal? He's like my favorite. Or this one, I love Cal. He's like my dad. Or I'm like, Cal has made the most of his marketplace experience. He has sown into every person he sees and has invested in them. And that is, I, I feel like the call of God on on all of us is just to, to make the most of that moment in that marketplace, wherever we are.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, that's good. And I, even the <coughs> example of a, even the example of like a coffee shop, like I think sometimes I can go into a coffee shop, put the headphones on and get to work. Like if if that's what I'm doing, but I've been in a coffee shop working and Cal walks in, legend Cal (laughs) walks in and it's like an immediate, like everybody that's working behind the counter is in tune with Cal. Cal's in tune with them. He goes to each individual down the line. And, and I think, yeah, that's a coffee shop. But I think that just reigns true in our lives like we yeah. can live like that we can live in such a way that we make an impact on anybody that we come across not just the people that we like intentionally seek out to do that with but Amen. um you know you are um serving as a police officer but i know you've got some other things cooking do you mind just kind of sharing um what's next or what's kind of around the corner uh some of the things that have been birthed in your heart
1: yeah sure man i uh so as a police officer, we started going into the juvenile detention center in Moorhead, and we started visiting with kids and just networking with them. And we'd bring them tons of Sandy's donuts all the time. It actually was just incredible because it would create these relationships and network. And shout um, out to Sandy's. Shout out to Sandy's. <laughs> womp womp. And and I don't know if you watch Steven's <laughs> podcast, but if you do, womp womp. Shout out to you. <laughs> and, is, and is the best. But uh, so from that, we started doing these Christmas events where we'd partner with Shields. We'd partner with. Um, Relevant Life Church, and they'd make a huge Christmas meal, and then Shields would provide all these gifts for kids, and it was just a great experience, and the more I did it, the more passion I got about working with people who are incarcerated, and I think it just brought me back to like that moment of, should I be a chaplain or should I be a police officer? It was kind of that tug of war, and so um, from that, um, God put this thing on my heart, this idea to start these conferences. Um, They're going to be called Hip Hop and Hope Tours, and we're going to operate them strictly, for now at least, inside of juvenile prisons and adult prisons. And so we're going to go in. We're going to do two-day events where we bring in community leaders and community resources. And they're going to share and have breakout workshops for people all day, youth and adults, depending on the, the environment. And then both nights, we're going to do live hip-hop shows. So hence the name Hip Hop and Hope. I just see hip hop. I mean, hip hop's my passion, so I just I love the avenue of using that with the gospel to reach people, and then either both nights or one night I'll share the gospel, and then we'll bring in another speaker probably to um to share the gospel, and we're just gonna really challenge these people to engage and embrace in the in the the gifts God has given them and the future that God has called them to. Like they're not dead and they're not done, man. Like God has a call on every parent in there. Every person has a purpose, and that's what we want to give them. Wow! No, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's awesome. I just feel like, <laughs> me, bro the
0: the tangible love that that shows. You know, I know I've had the privilege of being able to be in a youth correctional facility and to interact with the kids there. And you know, we we just did an outreach in, in Indy through mm-hmm. AO One, and um, just the gratitude for a hot meal and something tangible and just time yeah you know these kids because of covid weren't gonna be able to see their families over the holidays yeah um you know even due to the complexities they said a lot of them won't even be able to facetime over christmas and Mm. they said we're really the only people outside of the staff that they were going to see and like that (laughs) broke my heart like that you know and every kid has a story and some of those kids that's the best place for them for others too but like there is a, a message of hope that they need to hear you know and Jesus yeah. changes everything and we know that you know that our lives are testimonies to that. Yeah. how do you see that scaling? like how do you what's kind of the hope big picture long term for what you're doing?
1: Yeah man I I would love to see it grow um, not only in Corrections but one day take it into local public schools where we host these one-day events at schools but do it in the whole city and then come back at the end of the week and do like a large community event, so at a stadium or an arena um, and where we can share the gospel with kids and their families. And then locally, I want to keep sewing, um at our local jail and our local detention center. We have a big event that we tried to plan this last year, but because of COVID, we weren't able to, but it's where we're going to bring kids in and actually, they're going to be able to spend a half a day with their family who are incarcerated. So whether it's a family of kids or just one kid, um, they can come in. And we have the, We already have this set up. There's going to be a photo booth. They're going to take a family photo, and then we're going to have an arts and crafts station. So then they can make um, their own picture in a picture frame. And the kids can actually take it home with them, and the parents can then take their copy um, back to their rooms with them that night we're gonna have a big meal sponsored, and then we're gonna have a time for kids to just snuggle and hang out with their parents for like an hour or two uh, while we watch a movie, and just a way for us to plant the seed in all these parents' minds and hearts that you still have such a calling and purpose over your life. Like, you, you're you called to parent. You're called to be the parent that God has called you to be, and your, your past is not a prophecy for your future. Like, God has something great for your future, um, and that's what we hope to do with those events, and like that yeah i love that
0: yeah that's huge man and i I feel like there's so much that you've shared that i think i want to help like i want to be a part of this and and i think just even in the broader perspective or you know the broader stance like what do you feel like there are there any misconceptions or misunderstandings with at-risk youth or at-risk people that maybe you know, if we're being honest, like if I'm walking into a grocery store, if I'm doing something and I come across somebody that's going through a hard time, that maybe my, my first thing is fear or my first thing is, you know, questioning, you know, like how do they get there or whatever the case may be. Yeah. But what would you say is maybe like a misunderstanding, misconception that you would love to see changed?
1: Yeah, for sure, man. And first, just to say, like, I don't think what God has called me to is everyone's ministry call. So I don't think everyone has to always feel totally comfortable or totally normal because I've never felt called to a foreign country and I don't know how I would do it, but I don't know how ever comfortable I'd be in a foreign country. By that, I mean like Nicaragua. Like, I don't know how right. I would do an tent in Nicaragua, but I would love to be in a prison. Like that's just how I am. So that's how I'm wired. So I just want to encourage people with that too. is like, sometimes it's just not your calling, but it doesn't mean you're still not called to do it sometimes. And that's what I think the tension that we find with God. Sometimes it may not be my call, call calling, like, but we're still called to do it. And so what I would say is don't let stigma stop you. Um, the stigma and misconception or mislabels of, of people, um, I would say God is love. So the most you can do is love your neighbor like you love yourself. And so if that's all you do, I think you fulfill the word of God well. And um, all of us have a past. It's just a lot of people who have been incarcerated or come from trauma, they came from pasts where they were abandoned, abused, molested, um, and just have gone through a lot of hell and have not got back yet. They're just still in hell. And so um, I've seen that. I mean, I, I've met kids who were told it was or thought it was normal to have their uncle sleep in their bed with them when they were younger, but it wasn't normal and things were going on. I've met kids who their dads are three hours away and they ne- they never come to a birthday or a football game or you name it. I mean, I've talked to guys on the phone um, who spent 10 years in prison because they got molested when they were younger, and then they joined a gang, and then they committed a homicide when they were 16, and their whole life, they were confused about everything they went through, and they never knew how to deal with their confusion and pain. They just never knew. It was like a total um, puzzle, because how do you reveal that something like that has happened to you? I know that sounds extreme, but you'd be amazed. I'm, I remember Travis Lynn told me this story. He's a pas- my pastor, and he went to North Dakota Teen Challenge. and I'm not trying to hit on this abuse part so much or molestation part so much to sound extreme, but I'm just saying he uh, he said around 80% of the men that he, when he worked at North Dakota Teen Challenge, he thinks around 80% of the men when they would share their testimony, uh, about 80% had experienced some sort of molestation or abuse when they were growing up. Mm. And so that and Teen Challenge serves people who really struggle with heavy addiction. And so I think that's just realizing that like, there's a stigma there, but really we all have problems. It's just some of their problems were really bad. I mean, that's just the heart of it, right? Like they were, and for some of the kids, they're still bad. You know what I mean? Like that's the, that's the hard thing too, is they get out of, they get out of juvenile hall. And then it's like, if they're not going to foster care and they're going back to a reservation or they're going back to public housing, what's next? You know what I mean? Like that's, it's like, that's why we're the church we're next. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's my heart. Like, we're going to close the gap. And so um, that's my heart behind that. Yeah, I love that.
0: What do you think, you know, if you're, you know, looking at this audience or, you know, talking to this audience right now, um, majority young adults, what would be a piece of advice for young adults that you would want to leave them with?
1: Mm. Uh, I would say so more than you speak. Um, And by that, I just mean God's going to put things on your heart and mind your whole life. But don't be someone who just dreams it. Be someone who does the dream. Don't be someone who just talks it. Be someone who walks it. And it sounds cliche, but I think so many times we sit on ideas so long that the idea literally becomes stagnant and it becomes a thing of the past eventually. You know what I mean? And I feel like God, when he gives us things, um, I think it was Habakkuk, is that how we say it? How do you say habit? Is it Habakkuk? Habakkuk? I'm,
0: I'm gonna roll with you. You I don't know. know how to pronounce ha- Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Habakkuk.
1: <laughs> Pastor Dave. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know God told him to write the vision on tablets. You know, like write it down, write down the vision. You can't really run with something you don't write down, and like recite the vision because you can't really run with something you don't recite. So it's like, man, you got to write the vision, recite the vision. You got to run with that thing, or it's never really gonna come to life. So I just, I, I encourage people with that. Like, if you have a passion to sew somewhere, don't, don't speak about it a lot. Speak about it somewhat, but just go sow. Sow more than you, like, just sow. Sow behind the scenes more than you sew in front of people, too. That's what I would say. Um, I'm just being truthful, like, so, like, 60, 70, 80% of the ministry I've ever done, no one has ever or will ever see, because, like, it's like the Bible. Like, don't let your left hand know from your right, like, we're supposed to sow that no one, see, or no one sees. It's just for the kingdom of God. So sow behind the scenes so often. Be generous. You'll never regret it when you die one day that you were incredibly generous. You sowed hard. You worked hard. And you loved people for the kingdom of God.
0: Thanks for being an example of that. You know, thanks Back for... Back at you, bro. Seriously. For, no, but for, for demonstrating that and for, you know, not only with what you're setting out to do now, but the way that you've lived your life you know Mm. you haven't just talked about it you've you've been about it and you know i i just value that a lot and i appreciate that a lot like i think you've done a lot partnering with the holy spirit walking Mm. with god in your everyday life to change the narrative for a lot of people and for communities and you know i think in our own way we can step into that too boldly you know to to partner with god to change narratives to change stories to rewrite better stories um only god can do that but he needs like willing people who like you said are who are about sewing and not just speaking you know and and so no i just appreciate you a ton um one of the questions that i like to ask is what's a piece of advice that you would give to like 20 year old mike you know if you were to sit across from 20 year old mike what would you want to tell him
1: i would say pray a little more fast a little more um read a little more just get as wise as you can as early as you can and and become become mission ready as quick as you can cuz life is short that's what i would say that's what i would say i hope that makes sense
0: dude i love you i, love I appreciate you, you a ton thanks just for spending some time with me for thanks, investing into you know young adults in our city but also in our Region in our country, and mm-hmm. you know I know that when people hear your story, when people get time with you, we change you know it it's hard to go back and just keep walking the same direction when you bump into Mike like something oh, thanks, something man. shifts some, something just shifts a degree to help us see Jesus a little bit more clearly to to love like Jesus because that's what you're doing that's what you're about. I appreciate you a ton thanks, thanks for being babe. on the podcast. I love you, man. Dude, love you back, bro. And we love you. Thanks so much for listening, for being a part of this podcast. As always, subscribe if you're not already. Just join in whatever we're doing. We'd love to have you along, and we'll see you again next
1: week. God bless you.
0: Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this week's episode. Mike is truly a walking love bomb. Everywhere he goes, every room that he's in, it gets a little brighter. He is so full of joy, so full of life. A moment or a conversation with him is truly life-giving. And I know that's how I feel walking away from my conversation with Mike. And I hope that's the same way that you feel. He talked about so many things and he shared his story of redemption, of how God has turned his life upside down and rewritten the story, rewritten the narrative of his life and how he is called and how we're all called to be a part of that, to partner with God, to rewrite the narratives that are in our community in our family in our own lives in the in the workplaces that we reside in whatever it is that god wants to rewrite the narrative i think there are many things that if we we're to be honest we can look at culture we can look at maybe some of the misunderstandings that we have or the perceptions of certain people that we have and we can ask god god what is it that you want to do how do you want me to see this person how do you want me to see this situation what do you want to do in the world around me. God desires to rewrite the narratives and it's only through his power and his grace, but we can be the willing vessels who step into those God moments to truly be a part of what he's doing. Like Mike, he has walked into dark situations. He's walked into situations where there's a story, there's a narrative being told, but it doesn't have to be like that forever. God has something better, not only for your life, but for your community, for your church, for your city, for your family. Let's believe that together and step in to all that God has for us. Thanks again for being a part of this journey, for being a part of this podcast. If you don't already, follow us on Instagram, goingsomewhere.podcast. We want to keep the conversation going but also subscribe, like, review, do whatever it takes to help more people hear the messages that are being shared on this podcast. And as always, this podcast is a resource of Northview Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you're ever in the area, stop by. We'd love to see you. We'd love to have you for a Sunday service. But until next time, God bless and have a great week.